Let me ask a couple of questions, and I'd like to get us on the... We got the lights up? The lights up? I guess they are. The, um, have you found your life's purpose yet? Have you found your, yours, your life's purpose yet? Most of us, well, I, I, maybe, I think so, <laughs> I hope so, right? Um, let me ask you, has life's purpose found you? Another way to ask this question, you know, Thomas means seeker of truth. The negative side is doubting Thomas, but he's not here anymore. So it's seeker of truth. I like that. So truth really uh, is important to me. It always has been. Um, tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, well, I, I, I'd much, much rather handle the truth. So, and he is the truth, right? So another way to ask this question would be, have you found your main road? Or are you still on a side road? You found the main road, okay? That's good. Stay out of the ditches, right? Um, so one of the ways you do that is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our GPS, right? We know in Galatians chapter 5, if you follow the flesh, whoops, watch out. Um, they may need healing in Jesus' name. Um, if you follow the flesh, you're going to get all sorts of, and it, it produces all these things. Look at it in Galatians 5, what it lists there. But then he goes on, he says, if you follow the Holy Spirit... It produces all the really good fruit that hangs on your tree, love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness and mercy and self-control. Man, do I need that during this holiday season. Good Lord, I've got to get to the gym. I know one of my resolutions is I've been eating well. Thank you, Jesus. So have you found your main road? And if you're still not sure, then one of the ways for sure to get on track is the Holy Spirit who is your GPS. You need to call on Him daily. You ever pull up the app that says, I'm going to this direction? It's with Jesus. So put it, He says, turn left, turn right. No, don't go down that road, right? And so then He tells you there's all these warnings, traffic ahead, and go, we're going to reroute you. That's not the way. We're going to reroute you. Some of us have been on a reroute, right? So in another, if you look at your handout this morning, Drop down to where it says, finding life's purpose. When I was meditating on the Christmas story this morning, and this is what kind of popped out at me, right? How many of you right now are doing what you thought you would be doing years ago? Show of hands. How many of you are doing what you thought you would be doing years ago when you sat down, I want to do this? I, I, there's so few hands, it's... Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so if life's purpose is not clear, or I didn't think I would be doing this, that's number one there. It says, how many of us are doing what we thought we'd be doing? How many of you have experienced what you planned to experience? Not too many hands here either, right? It's like, you sit down, we have all these, uh, you know, I love talking to my little grandkids, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, wow. Um, not too many of those things often happen. Well, I want us to consider Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth. There's really these four characters that they got new life assignments. I believe this year can be a redirection, kind of a new life assignments for some people. 
certainly those things that break into our lives. And so number two there is finding God's purpose, or does God's purpose find you? If you take a look at, you look at those four characters, God's purpose found them. They were, maybe Zechariah and Elizabeth, he's, the, he's a priest, he's serving in the order of Abijah, right? They're old, they felt somewhat under their culture, she felt cursed because she couldn't have a child. And so they're well on in years, he's doing what he believed his life purpose to be, which was to be a priest. He happens to get selected by lot. There were 24,000 priests in the different orders. They would serve for one week twice a year, and a lot is pulled, and his name comes out of the hat, and Zachariah says, ooh, I'm going into the Holy of Holies during this season. Probably could go your whole lifetime and never have that happen, and it gets pulled on this Kairos moment. So he's living life's purpose. He thinks, "I, I know what I'm doing. I'm a priest, and he's like, Now, we knew from our trip to Israel, listen to this, This I didn't know this, but our Jewish guide, he said, according to the rabbis, during that season of when Jesus was there, during that 100 plus years of that century, there were over 100 corrupt high priests. You've probably heard the story that when they got selected to go in once a year to the Holy of Holies, they wore bells, they put a rope around the guy. Because when it happened the first time, if you were unrighteous or unholy and you got in the holy place, you were struck dead. And they, they, when they didn't hear the bells anymore, pull on the rope. We can't leave that. He, Lord, he stinketh, right? So they got to get him out of there. There were a hundred high priests, according to the rabbis, during that century who all died, were corrupt, went into the holy place, used it to get money from the, their position and they all died. So here's Zechariah in that season. Like, I love what God says. We'll read it in a moment. It says, he was a righteous man. He and his wife were righteous in God's eyes. Well, that's all that counts. Amen? And so he goes in, and he's got his life's purpose. I'm a priest. I've been selected probably the one time in my lifetime. I'm going into the Holy of Holies place. He studied it all his life from the Talmud. He's there, and he's going in. And while he's there, he meets the archangel. <laughs> well, let's, let's pick up here. Um, turn with me. Let's turn to Luke's account. I, like, I love Dr. Luke. He's the Gentile writer of who was a doctor, very careful about how he wrote from all the eyewitness interviews that he did. He he was a protege of of, uh, Paul, and we we love that. It says, so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke's gospel will begin in chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 1. I want to read this story, but I want to stop along the way, and you know me, I like to go, I try to put myself in the environment, in the emotion of the moment. What was, what was really, you can read it off here, but what was really going on? And if you were there with all the drama of family and circumstance, what would really be going on? What questions might you ask? So let's jump in. It says in verse 1, Luke 1, 1, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have decided to write a careful account for you, 
most honorable Theophilus. So you can be certain, I love that, you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. It's important, right? Truth. Bible, the New Living Translation titles this, The Birth of John the Baptist is Foretold. Verse 5, when, when Herod was the king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So they're the Levites. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. King James says it this way, they were both righteous before God. Something about that assignment. Careful to obey all the Lord's commands and the regulations. That was hard. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. I don't know why the Bible puts very old. Um, that's all relative. The older you get, you realize, well... <laughs> King James says they were now well stricken in years. So they're pretty, um, well, I'll just leave it there. Okay. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, and as was with the custom with the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Think about that. They go in once a year, they sprinkle for the covering of the congregation. So this is a very, very important time of reflection, repentance. So there's a great crowd outside when he goes in. While Zechariah, verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right in front of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaking and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Now, let's just stop for a minute. Based on the context that I gave you before, he's standing in the holy place, and he's already figured out, he's got the bells on, he's got the rope on, right? They're out there praying. He's saying, I'm sure one of his prayers was, God, don't let me die, right? Let me go in there and do my thing. And, and so he gets in there, and while he's there, Gabriel. I don't know what Gabriel looks like, but he's an archangel. We do know that some of these powerful angels, remember the accounts of the uh, Assyrians? 185,000 of them are killed in one night. So these guys, are they're big, they're amazing, they're tough. They're... So here he is, he's standing right in front of them, and you got it? He's afraid. I don't know if you, well, it'd be really awesome. No, I'd be like, oh my God, is this it? I'm done, I'm toast, you know? I don't know about you, what went through his mind, but he quickly... He's got chutzpah. You got to, Zechariah's got, that, I don't know what that means, but I think it's like, right? Maybe one of my Jewish friends can help me. I've heard that before growing up. You got chutzpah. It, it means gumption or like, you, wow. Because what does he do? He says, while Zechariah was there, the angel appeared at the altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear, overwhelmed with fear. That's, that's pretty heavy. When the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, how many times when the angel appears, you hear it, whether it's the shepherds, don't be afraid. So it must be that like, uh-oh, you know, this supernatural thing just happened and I don't know what to make of all this. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Listen to this. God has heard your prayer. What prayer? 
He's a stricken well in years. I'm sure he prayed as a young priest, let my wife have a child. How many years have the incense bowls? Remember last week's sermon? The prayers that you prayed are in a bowl. They're not, they're not out of time. They're still in time. Those prayers have been collected. And for God, who's outside of time, he turns to Zechariah, even though it's probably been 20, 30 years, and says, God's heard your prayer. Like, uh, what does a priest pray? He's probably like, I've had a lot of prayers, you know. Which one are you meaning? You, know? you can't mean that the old lady I live with is going to have a baby, you know. Right? You can't mean that, right? So he's like, I'm sure he's like, well, which prayer would that be? God has heard your prayer. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a son. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you're going to name him John. Well, that's outside the rules also. Supposed to be through his line. His, in fact, you'll see later. So you're going to name him different than what would normally be named. I want you to know your prayer from years ago has now been answered. And your wife's going to get pregnant and have a child. And you're going to name him, not your choice. You will name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. They may not rejoice later when he calls them sinners, <laughs> whitewashed snakes. But when he's born, they're going to they're gonna like him, and there's going to be a lot of joy. He must never touch wine or any alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. So... You women who've carried a baby or had that experience walking with a loved one, when that baby starts moving, but he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost even before. I remember when our four children were being born, my wife would say, come and feel this right now. And, he, and there's times that I don't feel anything. But then all of a sudden it's like, like whoa, there, there is someone in there. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Verse 17, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Sounds like Malachi 4, right? He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the, heights, the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Wow, what a ministry. Zechariah said to the angel, now this is it, while he's speaking, right, Zechariah's kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to have a baby. We're going to have a child. This is where the chutzpah comes in. I don't know about you, but I, maybe I would say this, but he then starts in his older years, we can maybe become more skeptical or maybe less trusting or life isn't all roses and, you know, chocolate. And so he turns to the angel and he says, uh, um, how can I be sure this is going to happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife, well, she's well along in years. Notice he doesn't say old woman. That's good. I repent, Lord, for saying that. He's a wise man. He says, so he's, I'm old, and she's just along in her years, right? Verse 19, then he says to the angel, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the very presence of God, and it was He who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, 
you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the child's born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper timing. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. He sent as an emissary, as a representation of God, right? But yet he has power. Did God already tell him, is he in this direct line communications, like hooked up with his thing in the ear, like you see on Fox News, right? Okay, God just, God knows everything. He just said he doesn't believe us. Okay, put the, put the hold on his voice. Yes, sir, I got it. Or does the angel know in advance? Or did God brief him before on the assignment? Gabriel, you're going to go down there. Here's how it's going to go down. He's not going to believe you. And if he opens his mouth, it's going to be a mess. So shut him up. Right? So God, no. I just got the, okay. God made him quiet for nine months. So he will prepare the people, but yet you have to be quiet since you didn't believe me. Meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting outside when Zechariah came out from the sanctuary wondering why he was taking so long. They wondered probably, I still hear the bells in here, but does he think he's dead? When he came out, he couldn't speak. They realized his gestures and his silence, and he must have seen a vision from the sanctuary. Can you imagine him coming out? They untie the rope, they take off his bells, and he's there, and he's like, what's he doing? It's like, you know, he must have seen something, and yet he's alive, right? So is he doing charades for the people? Now, it's likely Elizabeth was, was not literate. So how does he go home and tell his wife, baby, we're gonna, honey, we're going to have a baby? How, how does he tell her that, right? How does he communicate what happened? Does he draw a picture? I don't know. But it's clear that there's a way of communicating, and the Bible doesn't reveal all that. I'm just thinking, wow, if I went home after that, and I tried to tell my wife, who's well-stricken in years, she says, oh, man. I'll just leave it there. I can get in trouble with that. So I'll just leave it there. So he's, he says, meanwhile, the people waiting outside. So Zechariah, after his week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. So he can't call up Elizabeth or text her tonight. So he's got to wait a week for his service to be done. He finishes. So he's mulling this all over for the week. He gets back home and he tells her soon afterwards, verse 24, his wife Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and she went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of not having any children. Now again, let's go in the context of this. When she starts to show that she's pregnant, she hides out. Why? Can you imagine a woman well-stricken in age? <laughs> And she, no, you can't. Mom can't vision it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Been there, done that, not ready to do it again. <laughs> right? So she hides that. Why? Because people can, they can, they, they, what are they? Right? And Zachariah can't say, yeah, I was in the sanctuary and the angel showed up and hey. No, he can't talk. Right? So it's like. It, this, the drama of this is so exciting to me. I just like, wow. And so, 
Now, here it even gets more exciting. In the sixth month, verse 26, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So now she's pregnant. Now, she lives in Judea, outside. We've been there. If you go from Nazareth, where Mary lives, betrothed to Joseph, that's up in Nazareth, up by the Sea of Galilee. It is a few days walk and ride by donkey, whatever, how you get there, to get to the Judean hills right outside of Jerusalem where Zechariah and Elizabeth live in the Judean hills. But at six months, Elizabeth's pregnancy, the, so six months later, that same angel on assignment now shows up to Mary and says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and by the way, again, there's no text, even though they're cousins, Elizabeth is not telling the family, guess what, I'm pregnant. So Mary does not know that, even though she's a cousin living in the, in the northern parts of Israel. In the sixth month Israel's pregnant, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends the angel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, let me stop here because I want to point out we might miss this. First of all, the, the, the word virgin there is the, in the Greek is parthenos. And in the, Parthena, hallelujah. I thought of that when I wrote that down. I said, that's a great name. And so Parthena, yeah. The Hebrew is Alma, which means a virgin of marriageable age. So she's old enough, even though she's a teenager, she's old enough. And of course, in that culture, they did marry early. It's some of the similar verbiage that's used in that Isaiah 7, where a virgin shall conceive. When Isaiah prophesied this 600 years before Christ's birth, that people were so untrusting, so unbelieving, because watch what God will do supernaturally. A virgin shall conceive. And they're probably thinking, this prophet's a little bit loose in his thinking, maybe. But sure enough, that same fulfillment has happened. Mary has to come and visit that distance. Something about betrothals, it's not like when we get engaged here in our culture, if something goes wrong and you break the engagement, you break the engagement, and it's over. In the Jewish culture, once you're betrothed, even though the woman still lives in daddy's house, there's no relationship, intimacy of that, but she lives there until the marriage ceremony. The only way you break that betrothal is by death or by divorce. So this, again, puts some uh, emphasis on, on Joseph, who is a good man. We'll look at this here. So it says... In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, verse 28, Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, can you imagine a teenager and this happens? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Don't be afraid. Here we are again. Don't be afraid, Mary. She's in her room. The Lord shows up. Uh, the angel shows up. Bright light's like, you're really favored, and like, okay, I don't know if I'm dreaming, if I'm awake, what is this here? Don't be afraid, Mary, for the, you have found favor with God. What was it about Mary that drew the favor of God? We don't have a lot of insight to that. Our Catholic friends, my wife's family is growing up, and the, uh, I don't believe we should venerate Mary, but we certainly should honor the Lord's mother, Right? And so there's something about the favor of this young teenage girl that drew God's attention, that she would be the vessel that God would select 
talk about God's assignment and talk about life change. She's a poor girl living to be, be betrothed to the carpenter, and all of a sudden, God shows up, and life will never be the same as you ever planned it would be. God's purposes and trusting them in the midst of it, that's what we all want to take away from this. She says, don't be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever, and the kingdom will never end. Now, can you stop there with me for a moment? She just got told, you are going to have God's child, and he's going to rule the universe. Now, what? Has God ever shown up to you in a dream or vision and said, I want you to do this? It's so big. It's so, like, scary. How's that ever going to work? How can that be? You start... You start thinking, well, the, I remember our first trips into Nepal and some of the overseas trips. Where's the money going to come from? Are we going to die when we do deliverance ministries? Is this going to work? What happens when we come into confrontation? What happens when you get in the bush in Mozambique and the Muslim guys with the white hats who have the machetes are standing on the road showing you the machete? It's like, how's this going to work, God? So she then goes to this point with, well, wait a minute, um, excuse me, Gabriel, you may not be familiar how this works down here, but I'm a virgin, and <laughs> it doesn't work like that down here. And Gabriel says, this is what's going to happen. The angel, Mary asked the angel 34, verse 3, how can this happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. And the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The King James says, will overshadow <laughs> The power of the Most High will overshadow you, New Living Translation also. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. That same word in Luke 135 there, overshadowed, is the same word that is used in the transfiguration on the mount. Where the Father, remember Peter, James, and John, that Jesus takes them up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Many believe when we were up there by Elijah's mountain a few weeks ago, that's the place in that location. It says, when, when the overshadowing point of that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, that same word of overshadowing occurs. Now, how does that happen? Does, does Mary, in that place, we know that Peter, James, and John, they looked up and like, Peter's like whacked out. He's going to build altars. The voice from heaven comes out. Well, we know that the, over, the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. And it says... Again, the timing of this is, is interesting. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, now, why does he drop this? This is because it's the fulfillment of prophecy. I know that, but it says, he says, and what's more, Mary, uh, Elizabeth, your cousin, your relative is pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said come true. And then the angel left her. Now get the picture of this. Six months into, into Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
John still can't talk. She's hiding out. Elizabeth is like hiding. And the, the angel decides to tell the cousin, by the way, you need to go from Judea, go from Nazareth down to Judea and see your cousin. Mary is probably only a week or less pregnant. We're talking about, you guys who watched the, the beautiful formation of a child, right? Those who think that God doesn't be given at conception. I don't know what the heck is wrong with you. But anyway, this Jesus is probably less than a week old in the womb, in the timing of this. That's a powerful statement because what's about to happen is she gets up and goes several days to go see cousin Elizabeth because she's pregnant also. It's very likely Elizabeth, well, doesn't know she's coming. Secondly, it's also likely that Joseph doesn't know that Mary's pregnant. We'll see that when we look in the account in Matthew. So she gets up quickly, heads out, goes several days travel, gets down to the Judean hills, and walks into Elizabeth's house. Here's the fulfillment of another prophecy. A few days later, so this is like the angel appears a few days later. So she's pregnant, what, a few days, less than a week probably. Mary hurries to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lives. She enters the house and greeted Elizabeth. So how did she do? Hey, cousin Elizabeth, it's me, it's Mary. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaps within her, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. This would be a good place to say amen. Amen. Think about this. Elizabeth's hiding out. She's pregnant six months, and all of a sudden, Mary's. Whoa, whoa, glory to God. You know, you just, something's happening. She just gets filled with the Holy Ghost, right? The baby's flipping, and then she goes into prophecy. Come on, we read, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. No, this is like, this is, whoa. And you wonder if Zachariah's going, what in the world is going on here? It says, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? The Lord is about this big. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. What a prophecy. What a statement of truth and power. Then Mary starts prophesying. Mary's magnificent song. It says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He took notice of a lowly servant girl. From now on, all the generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has sacrificed the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones, exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away with empty empty hands. He has helped the servants of Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children, forever. Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months. She stays there until the baby's born, I believe. That's nine months. Six. So she probably stayed there for the delivery of little John. 
At which point, Zechariah picks up. I love this. So, accelerate. When it was time for the baby to be born, to give birth, and when the neighbors and the relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her. (laughs) Wow, the neighbors got it. When the baby was eight years old, they all came for circumcision ceremony. So, I believe Mary was there for the birth. Now it's time for the dedication. Zechariah, who still can't speak. With Zechariah and his father, Elizabeth said... His name, Elizabeth says, his name is John. What? Verse 61. There's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to the baby's father to try to get him. That's not the name, right? Your your woman's got this wrong. He motioned for a writing tablet. For everyone, in surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly. See, when he fulfilled that lack of faith moment, the moment he said, yes, I got it, his name is John, that's when the Lord unlocked him and says, okay, now, now you can talk. Sometimes we just got to go with it, right? <laughs> Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard it was affected by the events and asked, what does this child, what does this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord must surely be on him in a special way. We know in verse 80, it says, John grew up strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness. He began his public ministry. Awesome. Turn back to Matthew for a moment. We'll just pick up there. Let's look at Matthew's account. In, uh, let's pick up in verse 18. It says, so Matthew 1.18, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. The mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant throughout the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her, fi- her fiancé, was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That's why, pay attention to your dreams. Pay attention to your dreams. I know Pastor Mike often says it. But the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David. What, a, what an interesting statement. Son of David. We know the lineage there in Matthew. It lists all of it. It's in verse, um, verse 16 of Matthew. So Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. So Joseph, the son of David, the angel appears to him, don't be afraid, here we are again, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Forget about all the neighbors and all the gossip and all the stuff that's going to be said about this. They'll call him the illegitimate son of Mary. Or they're going to think that you guys were messing where you shouldn't have been a mess. I don't want you to be afraid of all that stuff. Don't be afraid of that. You do what I'm telling you to do now. But it's in a dream. It's not even the visible angel. And so Joseph had to take that dream and go ahead with the actions. So what does he do? You will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, Jeshua, Joshua. The Lord saves, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When, G when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary to be his wife, but they did not have sexual relationships until after the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. When you unpack all the drama of this, and you, you see how the four, at least characters in this part of the story, we can pull a lot of things from it. First of all, would you agree that their life got altered majorly? Major altercation, right? It's like, even though they were late in years, it, it, he, Zechariah, probably stayed to be a priest, right? So he, he stayed in that line. But now he is given the tasks in his older age to mentor a son who is going to be one of the, it says, the greatest Old Testament prophet that ever lived. That's what Jesus said about John. So we see this account of now your life is to mentor this young boy to when he comes. And at some point, he moves out of the house. Instead of going off to school, he goes to the wilderness, and he eats all those strange things and wears funny clothes. And then he launches that whole ministry that is the leading way for Christ who's coming. And they're, you know, they're, the, they're basically the same age. What, nine months difference? Approximately, maybe a little more. But So there's this Jesus and John, and we know that their account together when John baptizes Jesus, and then later, just before John is executed and martyred for his faith, he challenges, are you really truly the Messiah? And Jesus' account to him was, go back and tell John, the dead are raised, the blind see, the lame walk. He knew that that would be the telling point, John, it's okay, it's I, I am, I am he. You knew that, but I am he. John wanted to make sure he, when he laid down his life that he was doing it for the right purpose. So we see those accounts of, of these four people. And sometimes the Lord will redirect us. He has to keep us quiet. Or maybe he puts you aside for a little while. Ever had that happen? It's like, Lord, why is this going on this way? That's not the way I planned it. Another point I want to make, and maybe you could share this as well, is, but I feel so insignificant. You know, here we're talking about, what, what, how significant is my life? What, you know, I'm not the great evangelist. I was reading this morning about uh, Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, the, probably the greatest evangelist ever. If you look at it from the eight, early 1800s to died in uh, mid to late 1800s through the Civil War period, um, I believe there was a third grade Sunday school teacher that led D.L. Moody to the Lord. How about the person who led um, Billy Graham to the Lord? Put him in the pickup truck and took him to church, and he got saved. Is his life any less significant in the obedient part? Does he share in all those things that either Moody or uh, Billy Graham did? Well, what if your role is to change diapers or to clean the church? or to make money to finance the kingdom, or to be a mother who raises her children to be godly, or the father. What I'm saying is the Lord says the same pay happens to the one who starts early in the morning and the one who finishes five minutes before the sun goes down. Now, in the natural people, well, that ain't fair. I should get more money. I worked harder in all these years in the kingdom. 
not in the Lord's eyes. So you need to put aside, we need to put aside this thing about, I don't feel very significant. Because if you latch on to that, you'll be motivated by pride or works righteousness, and you'll push your way to the front. And that may get you in a place, man, I've seen that come trumbling down. So I want to just end here with, look at number three there on the outline. Trust God and don't overthink it. Walk out His acknowledged path before you. That's Tom's version of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is, this is our family verse. I taught this to our kids when they first could start speaking. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust the Lord. Let's just stop there. Trust the Lord with how much? All your heart. Now, that's hard. When things are going south, that's where the rubber really meets the road of faith. That's where trust has. Trust Him with all your heart. But God, but God... Mm, there's no but in there. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't overthink the stuff. I could have done this. I should have done that. If I only went there, if I, you're overthinking it. In all of your ways. Now, this is the big part. This is this, no matter what's going on, if you will make this little decision, Lord, what do you want me to do here? I, some of it's real clear. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't sleep around. Don't do drugs. I mean, come on. Don't, you know, just follow the commandments. But then there's the other part. Should I move here? Should I do this? Is this my profession? Should I buy this? Should I sell? No. Lord, we want to acknowledge you in all of our ways. I pray it oftenly is, Lord, I, I, are we supposed to go to Israel? Lord, is this the time? You know, there's missiles flying there. And what team's supposed to go? And how are we going to provision this? And what do you want us to? And I, the Lord gives those three pieces of advice. He says, Go. A journalist, go. When? Let's go in November. How? And who? Who should go with us? Who shouldn't go with us? And I pray, don't let anybody go that shouldn't go, but make sure everybody who's supposed to go goes. And then we're with the, and then look at the the crescendo or the what I'll call the collateral blessings. We get there and man, we have this amazing time. We all grow. We have this worship time in Jerusalem. We meet people, Rabbi Battlestein, I connect with him again. We're, we're communicating daily. I'm as like his pen pal. And so we connect there, and it's, then, that, then they call and say, hey, we want you to go on Daystar. Come to the TV station now. Like, what? And then, hey, can you bless us? Oh, well, let me talk to my elders. Do you see when you start making choices that you ask God to help you? acknowledging Him in all your ways. And, Lord, I don't know if it's you, but I'm going in this direction. If it doesn't, stop me. He, he will. Amen. And even if He does, He factors in our stupidity, right? Like He did with Zechariah. Oh, boy, son. You're going to be silent. Okay. You're going to mess. Mm-mm. It's so good. I mean, it's, it's just powerful. So trust the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. In every way, every way, every, every way, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your pathway. You get off track, get back on. Get your GPS locked in. Get back in the Word. Start praying. Come to the front. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Forget all that. Yesterday is gone. There is no yesterday. It's done. It's history. Today is today. Come on. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. We're going to invite the worship team back up. That last part of the scripture says, 
In Isaiah 55, 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Call on him while he may be found. Today is the day. So start just calling out to him. Jeremiah says, call to me. Jeremiah 33, and I will answer you. Oh, I like that. Lord, 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 you know, just, come on. It's just like, we're going to end the service by praying over our offering, and then we're going to have an altar call. We've been so blessed. Thank you all for helping out with the uh, angel tree, and we've sent blessings to our pastors overseas in Nepal. We sent them to Mozambique, to Costa Rica. Thank you for all that. Um, we have been so blessed. Oh, my goodness. House of Mercy and the, the food pantry. It's almost like, I know this is God. The more we give, the more we get. It's, it's incredible. I mean, this week, bicycles came in and, and gifts and... Uh, God is amazing. The multiplication of blessing. When we stood during Hurricane Florence, we said, Lord, how are we going to do this? And again, this is one of those ways. You get, you heard uh, Pastor Rob Campbell call me up, call up Pastor Mike, say, hey, can you come to Channel 6 News? We're going to interview pastors for the... And what happened with that? The Lord opened up truckloads of supplies from Georgia, from Texas, from... I mean, God, He is so, so amazing. So, Lord, we just, we just love being part of this. This morning, I got a call from Pastor Prem in Nepal. They had an, you know, they're, day, they're ahead of us, and they had this amazing um, outpouring. The church in Badapur, our main church there, the government came in and shut down the orphanage, and it has been wild, but we've worked all that out financially and blessings, and he said they're going to probably have to go. They've just gone to two services because the church is expanding so fast. He says... Is there any way you could build another church? I said, I don't know. God will ask God about it. But hey, the other thing that's happening is in the remote regions of, of the mountains where we've been in Nepal, they're opening up new churches. We now have 127 pastors that are now part of that and seven house churches that are growing. So, hey, in the midst of the, what is turmoil, they came in and said, take the cross off your orphanage. No more s- scripture stuff on the side walls of this. You can't call... God's doing it. So I just love being part of it. I can't wait to see. One day we'll see the the video version of this in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing now over our tithes and offerings. Thank you, Lord, for how you bless us. First, with your son. You, You gave the greatest gift. You trusted the giving of your son. And then you let sinful men, women do what had to be done to bring a perfect sacrifice. The high priest that now sits at your right hand who makes intercession for us. Wow. God the Son praying for you. Telling Father, look over here. Do you see what they're doing and how they're trusting me now, Father? We need to send some angels down here take care of this situation. They're about ready to launch out here. Lord, we need to move that. So get, get that other person moved in. Get this one moved out, Lord. Lord, we just praise you. Thank you for your offerings of blessing on our lives. Lord, as we come as the people of God, we're grateful. We are a grateful people. We're thankful. In all of our stuff, you still loved us. And no one can snatch you from 
the hand of the one who has us. So I pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Come, put your offering. I'm going to invite the ministry team. Come. Don't leave here without it. Enjoy. Don't forget, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, we'll be here for a short service and just a time of real fellowship together. Enjoy that season. God bless you.